welcome to church. So glad you're all here. Um, you know, here we are the, uh, the week after Easter. What a difference a week makes. Amen. What a celebration we had here, and it was all good. I, I personally love it because you get to see people's family, and they bring them, and they get all dressed up, and they're all pretty, and, and not that you ain't. You look good this morning. Matter of fact, look at your neighbor and say, you look good this morning. That's right. Look at the next one, too. Say, you look good. It always helps. It always helps to know, hey. You know, for the husband and wife, you know, if some hair's out of way, you might, you, you might want to help them out a little bit. Like, hey. But it's always good to be able to see friends and family and get to see them actually get to see um, all the, uh, a lot of my former youth that come and they're all grown with families. I just, man, my heart gets full at this time of year. And then they, and then, and it's spring break. So everybody takes off and they leave and they go all over the country and say, hey, let's go have fun. That's why I was getting texts this morning. Hey, we're watching. So, hey, love y'all. <laughs> You're watching. We're here right here in the house. And I got to tell you that anybody here, Overload on candy this past week? Did anybody take it? Or y'all were good? Anybody sneak something? So when my kids were little and uh, they would get these Easter baskets and we would make, some, make them up, which is always fun when you're a parent because you get to put the stuff in there that you like as well. <laughs> and you're like, hey. And so you'd poach some of that while they're playing and enjoying life. And uh, I know it's a great time. It's not the only thing, but we understand that Hey, chocolate and candy can be a good, um, fun motivator and can have fun with that. I believe God knew what he was doing because he gave man the wisdom to make that, the sugar and all of it. I know it's not good for us and for those of you on the healthy lifestyle like myself for most of the time. Um, I celebrate with you. Uh, it's funny because this past week I went in the store on a Monday. I'm not going to say which one, but I want to tell you they had a big sale on candy. <laughs> I mean, it was cheap. And I was like, hmm, you know, it was a bargain. <laughs> but you will be happy to know that I walked past it all and uh, did not even buy any. And even for my grandkids, because my children know G. Paul loves to be generous. And, uh, but even for them, so they're happy to know that they're not going to have to worry about me sugaring them all up and sending them home. But you know, as I was thinking about it, I think how generous God is. And I want to just take a moment for us to think, don't ever run past this thought that God loves to be generous to us. He loves to, to, to lavish his love on us. He loves to give us the things we need that help us continually move on, move forward in our life. And um, really, that's a lot of what we were celebrating last week. And so um, as I continue to, 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 to survey, and I always do this because last week being what we call Holy Week, um, it always wrecks me when I read through it, even though I know the end of the story. Like I know how it ends and I celebrate that, but still watching what people walk through and watching their journey of faith and what they had to go through to get to where they were, it, it brings me to the place where I'm so thankful that I get to live at this point in this time in history. And um, I know that... Um, as, as I survey the resurrection, as I continue to go over that, um, it's, it is the thing that brings us to Jesus, the thing that opens up 
the gospel and really demonstrates for us really who Jesus is and what he actually did. And when I take a moment to wrap my mind around it and my heart around it, I can't help but think here we are the day, the, the Sunday after or, by the way, I forgot, I got it here in my note that today is Easter in the Orthodox Church. So happy Easter to the Orthodox. And if some of you want to know what that is, it's real simple. It's about 11 minutes. It's about 11 minutes from a Julian calendar where Julius Caesar had a calendar he made in 45 BC and then, uh, and then Pope Gregory came along and said, hey, you missed it by 11 minutes and it threw it off. So he actually said, hey, so we're going by the Gregorian calendars while we celebrated Easter last week and the Orthodox Church, which was mainly in Europe now, they're celebrating Easter today. All the things that we went through the week before, they went through this past week. All we celebrated last week, they're celebrating today. So I celebrate with them. That 11 minutes was difficult. I mean, it was the whole thing of, of that. But as we, as we move forward, here's what I want to do. I, wanna, I love what Luke did. Luke, the gospel writer, the Dr. Luke, who was one of Jesus' disciples, he wrote a gospel, but he also wrote the book of Acts which was the action. This is where the church literally was started. And he begins to tell the history of the church. But we're going to start in Acts chapter 1. And if you got your Bibles, you can open them there. If not, we do have this. We'll be uh, putting it on the screen. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV this morning. We're only going to read the first 11 verses of that. And so if you want to uh, look at this with me. In my former book, and he's talking about his gospel, Theophilus, Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him. Now, when I read this, it always boggles my mind a little bit because when they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, what's, what kind of catches you off guard a little bit is Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven and they're more interested in their kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, what they're experiencing physically and what they had experienced for many years under, uh, under now under Roman rule, but under many dictators before that. And so he goes on to say, um, um, when he asked them about the kingdom, he said to them, it is not for you um, at this time, uh, excuse me, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father is set by his own authority. But, in other words, you're worried about these things, but what I really want you to get, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a, cl and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now this is where, you, this is where I, I, when I'm reading scripture, 
And I hope you'll do the same. This is where I find uh, a lot of uh, fun in this as I'm reading it. Because if I were to, you know, using my hands and show. So they're sitting here. They're having an intense conversation. And by the way, Luke just took 24 chapters he wrote in his gospel and shrunk them down to about three verses. That's pretty good. He did it just to let them know because I want you to, he wanted to get them where they wanted them to be. But it's, if you're sitting there, so they're sitting there, he tells them that, hey, just go wait till the power comes. I'm going to send it. And as they're sitting there, and it's the next verse, it says, they were looking intently into the sky. So they're watching Jesus rise up out of the place, leave the earth. Like they're watching it happen before them. I know I've seen plays and we've done different things and resurrection. They use these hydraulic lifts and stuff. You can watch them online. And there, there goes Jesus. He's, wow, he's leaving on out of here. And it's funny because as they're doing it, <laughs> they were looking intently at the sky. And as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. So, so Jesus is checking out. I mean, he's leaving the place. He's leaving the planet. He is leaving the planet. The king has left the planet. And as he's going, they're sitting like this. And there's two guys standing beside him like, hey, guy, what, what y'all looking at? Because <laughs> they're all intently. They can't help but focus their, that, their sight that way. And then, and then there's two men just standing beside him in robes of white. And they look at them and said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here? Looking into the sky, this same Jesus who has been taking from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So he, he brings their focus instead of just everything this way. And he said, hold it, whoa, let me inform you that he's coming back and in the same way. So don't look so much this way. Look this way. You know, look, you ain't got to worry. He's going to come back. And so in this, they were comforting them in the fact that Jesus didn't leave forever. He didn't, he, he didn't check out. Matter of fact, we'll see in just a couple weeks what, what all the power he did leave us. So, but for this morning's sake, here's a few. I just have three things I want to share with us real quickly of what this resurrection life, all that we celebrated last week, what that does for us. And the first thing is this, the resurrection is the starting line, not the finish line. Resurrection is the starting line. It was their finish line because they're watching their, 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 the, the man that they had seen do miracle after miracle, the ones that they called Lord, they called him Savior, they called him Teacher, they called him Master, and they're watching the man that did all these miracles leaving the planet, and they can't help but wonder, I mean, could you imagine standing there just like them and going, your heart being wrenched like, oh, no, <laughs> He's leaving. I, I would be with him, but then have these other two guys just standing there like, okay, y'all ain't got to keep looking that way I, and leave them with an encouragement. And so when I, when I say it's the starting line, not the finish line, I want to back up. We're going to go to John's gospel this morning for just a minute because when we think of starting line, we think of races. We think we're, we're ready to go and we got something to accomplish and we need to go make something happen. And in John chapter 20, all four Gospels talk about the resurrection. But in John chapter 20, the, uh, the author John himself, the beloved, which you'll see in a minute, he begins to tell the story from the very beginning, which would probably many times have been read last week, but we're reading it this week because after all, it's Orthodox Easter too this morning. But 
Really, so we can learn some more in this. And, and verses one through nine, check this out. If you got your Bibles there, again, you can, you can open them there. But if not, you can follow me here. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running. Here comes the race. Here we go. This is where we're talking about. This is the starting line, not the finish line. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, and I love how John refers to himself. John's writing this, and he refers to himself as the other disciple. <laughs> the other disciple, like, hey, that's me, John. Why didn't you say, Peter and I, Simon Peter and I, we ran, but he wanted to keep himself. He was being humble and wanted to keep himself out of the spotlight and being the number one. And it says, uh, Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, now that's where I think he was trying to be kind because when he says, he tells him, he's writing and, and says, hey, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Let's keep that one real. and keeps him, he lets him, it's kind of like anybody that has any siblings, let, let's go ahead and, and know, you know, we all know there's favorites, you know, let's be honest, <laughs> And uh, it's, it's important that as parents, we all make the other one feel like they're the favorite. Having two children my own, it was always fun when each one would tell me, you love, you love him more than me or you love her more than me. And I was like, they would give me this as if somehow I'm supposed to choose. And I was like, no, I don't love you more. I love you different. You know, having a girl and a boy. Hey, anybody that's had a girl and a boy, can you say that's different a little bit? It's, it's, it's a little bit different. And so with that, um, John writes to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, we're gonna move forward, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started to the tomb. They're racing, y'all. Both were running, but catch this one. This is fun if you look at it. But the other disciple outran Peter. <laughs> if you can't get, if you can't laugh about that, <laughs> like I don't know, but it sounds like he's bragging to me. The uh, the other disciple beat him there like, hey, Peter, where you at, bro? <laughs> they were both fishermen and they both were running. Any, any uh, brothers in the house that used to run? <laughs> I had two older brothers growing up and um, y'all, we did compete in everything. Like life was not, it was always a competition. We made a competition out of everything. There was nothing we did not do where it's like, oh, I'm going to prove I'm better than you. John is right here breaking it out, writing in the gospel. And by the way, the Holy Spirit let him get away with it. For whatever reason, we can ask him when we get there. But he outruns Peter and reached the tomb first. First place, made it, got it, got there. Both were running, okay, he bent over and looked, in the, uh, looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon, Peter, then Simon Peter came along behind him. Look at that. There's a lot of fun here. I don't even care. And we went and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen, 
Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first. <laughs> Is that that important? Got there first. The other disciple who got there first also went inside. I think personally that John was like, man, I just dogged you out. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be the first one to go into. Peter, go on ahead. Sure, go ahead. I got to give you something. Go ahead. And then afterward, he lets him know, well, then the other side that got there first went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to, had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So they, this is the first part where they're running in and, and they're coming to the place. Jesus is bringing them to the place that he is who he says he is and he did what he said he would do because you gotta think, even though they saw a week earlier in, the, in Lazarus being raised from the dead, that was Jesus calling Lazarus forth. There's no one calling Jesus forth. It's not like, so when Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jesus is right there doing it. And so they're saying, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And of course, because of Jesus, who he is, Lazarus comes up out of the grave. But now they go to the tomb and there's, Jesus isn't there. They watched him die. Who's going to call him forth? How's he going to come out of this? So their mind is blown in this fact. They can't grasp that, hold it. How, he, he can't just get up by himself, can he? Somebody's got to call him forth, not understanding what he told. We read that last week in John 11, where he told Martha he is the resurrection and life. So he did do that. A little later on in this, in this chapter, in verses 24 through 29, I want to look at this, talking about a starting line. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So a week earlier, Jesus shows up, and we'll get there in just a moment. But I wanted for, for, for purpose sake of what we're trying to get, where we're trying to get to this morning, I wanted to show that the first things are first, that this was a starting line, and this was a jump-off point. It wasn't the end like we made it. It's like, hey, this is where we jump off. And now Thomas, also known as Didymus, which, by the way, Thomas, y'all, Thomas never even got a name. We don't really know Thomas's name. Didymus means twin. <laughs> so all we know was a twin showed up here. He didn't, we knew him as, we always call him Thomas and he gets a bad rep, which we'll see in a minute. Why? But he, his name really just means twin. So one of the twins shows up, uh, who happens to be one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, I find this amazing because everybody knew what was going on at the resurrection, I mean, at the crucifixion. Like they were all there, but many of them were scattered because they were afraid when they watched Jesus die, they thought, I'm next. And so we even read, we're not gonna read there this morning, but we saw where Peter was even afraid to tell a 13-year-old girl, a small girl, that he was one of his disciples. He was so afraid for his life. And so here they are. We don't know where Thomas has been for the last week. We don't know, was he shuddered in fear? Wondering, are they coming after me? We don't know whether he was doing good deeds secretly like he watched Jesus do. Was he going about, hey, I gotta go incognito here. We don't know anything. It's none of that is told in this story. But what we do know, he wasn't there when Jesus showed up and, and to the other disciples a week earlier. 
And so when they told him, we've seen the Lord, this is Thomas's response. And this is where he gets a bad rap. And I want to break this down for a minute because I love Thomas. And maybe some of you have wrestled with your faith a little bit. Maybe you've gone to some dark moments and some rough moments on um, what you believe and why you believe. And it says this, Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and not just enough to see and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side. I will not believe. That is a massive statement. He didn't say it unless I see the nails go. I want, I want to touch it. I want to see it. I want to feel it. I want to stick by. He saw the spear. He saw the nails. He saw him nailed. I want to put my fingers where those were. I want to put my, I want to make sure it's real. And so I love Jesus because Jesus is not shaken by our doubts. He's not shaken by what we walk through. He's not ever going, well, how day. And one thing that's very important to notice here, when we read verse 26, it says, a week later, his, disciple, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Now, I, I got to stop here for just a moment. I know y'all going to read it on ahead, but that's all right. But I'm going to stop for a minute. This tells me something very powerful. That just because Thomas said, unless I see his hands and unless I see his hand and touch him, unless I, they didn't deny Thomas. They didn't get on him. They didn't say, what's wrong with you, man? You don't believe what we told you? You don't believe us? They still welcomed Thomas into their midst, even with his doubts, even with what he was walking through. He hadn't got to where they were yet. He was still working this out in his own mind. He was trying to put his faith and his feelings together. He was, he was putting his heart and his mind together. He was not locked in like, hey, look, in church, let's be honest. We say, hey, you just got to believe. You just got to believe. And I want to tell you, I want you to survey the gospels. I want you to survey history. I don't want, there's no question off limits that the church, we've got to be careful that, hey, if you doubt, oh, you doubt, is there something wrong with you? There's something. And I want to tell you, Jesus welcomes our doubts. Jesus brings us up and he continually pulls us along and says, hey, I'll, I'll meet you right where you're at. As a matter of fact, um, while he's there with them and the disciples showed him incredible love saying, hey, you're one of us. Just because you didn't believe what we told you, you're still one of us. And he says, through the door, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And I love that because there again, a locked door and Jesus shows up. He didn't use a door. <laughs> the door's locked. And I believe John writes this just there again. What just happened? They're sitting there and Jesus pops through a wall. Poop, what's up? Peace, y'all. <laughs> How many know if you're sitting, remember, they're shuddering in fear. They're scared. Ooh, and Jesus, ooh, he did it a week earlier. Like, oh, he did it again. There he is. <laughs> and what is the first thing he tells them? Peace be with you. If somebody pops through a wall, you want to know. Peace be with you. Hey, relax, it's me. And so when he tells them that, then he said to Thomas, which makes this very clear, he shows up here for one reason. He showed up for Thomas. 
He showed up last time and all, tw- all the other 10, excuse me, they weren't 12. Judas is not there. Thomas is not there. The other 10 are there and they, they believe and they're excited. We've seen him. None of them had, hey, let me touch. Thomas says that. He shows up and the first thing he says, he looks right there and says to Thomas, there it is. Then he said to Thomas, hey, put your fingers right here. Come on. I'm not afraid. I, I-, I can do this. Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus was willing to meet Thomas right where he was. He didn't say, hey, whoa, you got to fake it till you make it, (laughs) which is a lot of people in church. He's like, hey, I celebrate the fact that we are all at different places in our spiritual journey that nobody's better than anybody else. We're all walking this life together. We're all doing this together. This faith is a faith that God's given us. That's what it says in in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that is not of yourself. Even that faith we get to believe is a gift from God, not of works, least any man can boast about it. Like I can't even boast about the faith I have in Jesus. The same thing with Thomas. He said, hey, I want you to experience this. And then Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. He didn't just say my Lord. He said, my Lord and my God. At that moment, Thomas went all in. And that's why I say the resurrection was the starting. It was the launching pad. It was the jump off point. Many people stop there like, hey, I've received it and now I'm good. I don't need anything else. And I'm like, no, there's more. Everybody say there's more. There's more. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, You have believed. And he says, blessed. Blessed are those. This is you. This is me. Who have not seen and yet have believed. This is powerful where he says, hey, I don't don't have to have my fingers do. I don't have to do that. Lord, I've seen, I've watched, I've experienced. And so at that point, this is where Jesus met Thomas and helped him make that jump and make that leap and be able to, to make a difference. Let's be honest, all of us, including me, have had, have had struggles with faith at, at different points in our life. When you're going through a situation, whether it, it's a physical ailment that's happening to your body, whether it's a spiritual thing that's happening, whether it's an emotional thing that's going on, whether it's a, um, a financial thing, a family thing, many times doubts come and we begin to think, I mean, is Jesus really gonna help? Is he really gonna do this in my life? And I wanna tell you, this is where the family of God comes together and we build each other up and we're there to pray with each other and we're there to, to walk through these moments with each other. Thomas refused to take the path um, that other people had taken and just saying, well, I just got to believe. No, he said, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to share. I need to, I need to experience this. And because Jesus loved him that much, he helped him. And then the same way we help each other. And the second point is this, and that's what uh, we looked at last week. The resurrection gives us life. So his resurrected life gets to come and reside in me. No longer can Jesus physically, but the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells in us and it quickens us. Matter of fact, in John 20, going back to the same uh, thing, we're gonna go to the visitation that he had with the disciples the first week. 
in John 20, 19 through 23, on the evening of that first day of the week, here Jesus just rose from the dead, the other disciple that ran faster than Peter, let him go in the tomb first, came out. They're, in, they're shuttered in their, in their place. And it says, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, there again, this is the first time, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, none of them had to have the physical. They were like, I see, I'm happy. I'm good. I, I see that. No, I don't need to do the touching. Like I know some people in this room, I'm thankful for those who are nurses in this room that they see stuff, doctors, they see stuff and deal with stuff that I never have to, praise God. Matter of fact, when they do stuff to me, they put me to sleep so I don't see it. Anybody thankful for that? <laughs> it's like, whew, thankful I didn't get to see that. <laughs> Fun stuff. Um, but here, uh, Thomas said, I want to touch. They were like, hey, I'm good. I don't have to do that. I don't have to touch it. And then again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, check this out. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So here he is. He's raised from the dead. He shows up right after this is, the, this is the very next day. He's there and they're shuddered in fear that, hey, what they did to Jesus, he already told them, they hated me, they're going to hate you. And so they, they're sitting there locked in fear. Jesus says, peace be with you. And he breathes on them and tells them to receive the Holy Spirit, which tells me that first he wanted them to experience his life and that's what this word spirit I shared last week. The word Holy Spirit, and you'll hear more of this coming up. We've got series and difference that we're going to be talking about and breaking this down. But the word spirit means pneuma. It literally means breath. It's the breath of life where he breathes in your spirit and causes your spirit to come alive. And, become, and, and literally makes you become alive to the Holy Spirit. And then you become what we call born again of the spirit of God, not just of thought. But and not just of reason, but of literally causes your heart to be renewed. I mean, anybody remember I was sharing this uh, this past week. I had somebody ask me about my journey to faith. Anybody remember the first day or the first time when you gave your life to Christ and the spirit of God came into you and you felt this fresh, like, wow, I'm forgiven. I'm actually forgiven. Like the, the, the new life in Christ, if you haven't, I hope today is your day. You get to experience that because that's what Jesus has for you. He wants to breathe that same life into you and go, man, all the junk I'd ever done was taken away. It happened right here in the sanctuary, y'all, over 37 years ago. It happened right there. I got arrested on Friday. I got out on Saturday. I came to this church on Sunday and got born again that day. I woke up the next morning. Y'all, and I looked outside, it was in Darien, Georgia, and I looked outside, this is the only thing that came to me, this is all I got, if it's not inspiring, I'm sorry, but I remember looking out outside and I said, man, look how green the pine trees are. <laughs> That's what Jesus brought my attention to, like, pine trees? <laughs> but I just remember waking up early and I'm like, oh wow, I didn't smoke anything before I went to bed. I didn't take anything. That'd been since Friday and I gave my life to Christ and I woke up and I'm like, wow. 
To this day, I've never had another drug, never taken anything, never smoked anything, never popped anything, never wanted to. It's like, it wasn't like I said, oh, I got to stop. <laughs> it was like, whoo, man, that would bring me down. They call it getting high. And I'm like, there's no high like the most high. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> Y'all welcome to use that. I used that with my brothers one time. They were trying to get me to drink a beer because they thought I was too good. And I was like, y'all don't know me. I'm just as messed up as you are. I just found the way, the truth, and the life. And he's got his life living in me. But they kept hounding me. And I was like, guys, I looked at him. I said, dudes, y'all don't know. Let me tell you the little secret. There is no high like the most high. He's called the most high for a reason. And that, to this day, anybody asks me, and they're like, hey, you ought to try this. No high like the most high. <laughs> Have it, take it, use it. So anyhow... As they experienced this life and they got to, he breathed on them. He even said this, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And, and literally, you got to be careful because when I read that, coming from a Catholic background, it almost says they have the power to forgive sins and not forgive sins. And Jesus would never give that authority to somebody else like, oh, you your sins are forgiven. <laughs> and literally what he was saying to them is, I'm going to give you the power now that you have this life. You get to go share this life. And as you share it, when people give their life to Christ and they surrender to him, you can honestly say, all your sins are gone. He paid for them all. They're all done. The wrath of God was settled on Jesus and the life he lives now, we live to Christ. And so you can honestly say, your sins are forgiven. If they refuse Christ, you can say, hey, right now they're still on you. And I'm just going to tell you, Jesus came to get rid of that weight. And so he goes on in verse 30 and 31. This is at the end of the chapter. After both encounters, after both encounters with, without Thomas, with Thomas, Jesus makes this statement. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written to you, the reader, the ones that would come after, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. So we get this life. We get to get a life I didn't earn. And then the final thing I want to leave you with this morning, the first thing, the resurrection, isn't the, the, the end, it's the beginning. The second one, the resurrection gives us life. And then the third one is Pentecost. Every somebody say Pentecost. Pentecost gives us power. So we get the life with Jesus when we receive Jesus in our life. Through, through the resurrection, I get his resurrection life. But through Pentecost, I get the power to live this life. And I get the power to make a difference. And so that's what, what Luke in his gospel said in Luke 24, through, uh, Luke 24, 49 through 51. It says, I am going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now, as he says this, you got to know that what we just read in John 20, they were already born again. Jesus already breathed on them. They'd already received the Holy Spirit. At that moment, they were born again. But, 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 but here it is. Luke is making sure they understand that there's something more that you'll be clothed with power. You've got the power in you, but you're gonna be clothed with power to be able to demonstrate the kingdom of God. 
And so he went on to say, and he tells the same story that he told, which we just read in, in Acts in the beginning, in Acts 1 and in verse 11. It says, when he had led them out into the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Everybody say great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. And I, I want to just say to, to us this morning, me included, that the enemy's come to rob our joy. He's come to steal what Jesus did for us. And we've got to be careful that we don't allow him to rob what God has done for us, to rob what he continually does for us and what he does in us so he can do through us. And so that's what Acts 1, 4 through 8, which I, I read at the beginning where he said, you'll receive power. John baptized with water. I mean, baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with fire. This thing that he's going to, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's going to come upon you and, and, and you're going to be able to make a difference. So the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was a moment that forever changes us. That's what it is. So the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which we just celebrated all last week, that was a moment that forever changes us, once and forever. There's never, there's no demon that can come and, and lie to me and tell me somehow. There's no person that can come and, and talk me out of my faith like, like Satan did with, with Eve when he talked her into it. And then, hey, this is a better way. Try to, try to do it with your mind and good works instead of, hey, just I want the life of Jesus. I don't, it's not me doing good things. It's Jesus doing good things in me. And, but Pentecost, so, so the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was a moment that forever changes us. But this is what we're, where we're heading in the next weeks to come. The death, uh, the Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a movement where God uses us to forever change those around us. So let me say to you as I close. So a lot of people get stuck at the cross. They get there. And it's a beautiful cross. It's a wonderful cross. It, we, we, can't ever, we can't ever say enough that Jesus, when you see a cross, it's right there. When you see a cross, the cross just simply demonstrates where Jesus was and what Jesus did. It's not where he is. It's what he did. He, he, you could actually, if, if you were to be honest, we could put ourselves in that picture and say, put, put a picture of me on there and say, I deserve to be there. That's what I deserve for my stuff, all that I've done and all that I've been a part of. I deserve that. But Jesus took my place. He took my place. And so understanding that, that that, that, that was powerful. They get stuck there that my sins are forgiven. And they, then they can even make it sometimes to the resurrection because I'm gonna tell you this, without an empty tomb, the cross has no power. Let me say that again. Without an empty tomb, the cross has no power. There were many people that died on a cross. They got put in a grave, but there was only one that came out. So if you, I can't get stuck on the cross. <laughs> I gotta have an empty tomb that says, Jesus demonstrating who he was, what he did, that I am him. That I told you I'd do this, and he did that. But I can't even get stopped and stuck right there because it's, that's what he did for me. And this is where a lot of the church stays is what he's done for me. And the message of the gospel, the good news that Jesus said, I want you to partner with me. I want you to be a part. I want you to receive this power 
So then you get to go and help make a difference in other people. That's why he said, I'm sending you. He's sending us. So first he wants us to experience his life. But then he wants us to go and give that away. And this morning, I want to ask you. Actually, I want us to reflect. What has Jesus done for you lately? Think for a moment. What has he done for you lately? I'm not talking, hey, I can tell you what happened 40 years ago, but I can tell you what he did this morning. Not, not something that it's good, it's so, that's great, but this morning, today, right now, he's ever present. And he wants to minister his life over. It's not a one-time thing where I go and I experience something. I said, I'll see you later. And then we get in the hamster wheel of good works. Instead of a receiving like, Lord, anybody need some, something lifted off of you this morning? Anybody got some things that are weighing you down that have, that something that's that maybe you've told yourself some things or maybe there's some other battles going on in your body and in your mind that you need this resurrected life of Jesus to come in begin to blow away and begin to 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 restore and renew the things inside of you that's why he's here he promised wherever two or more are gathered here in his name he's right here in our midst in a different way And so as, as marvelous and, and as, as miraculous as the resurrection is, and it continually gives me life, this is where we got to stop for a moment and say, Lord, he wants, like I, I opened up with God loves to be generous and he wants to give to you this morning. So in turn, when you leave this, sanctuary, this excuse me, I catch myself, all, when you leave this auditorium, I, I catch myself because raised that this a building is a sanctuary. And in the New Testament, you're the sanctuary. I'm the sanctuary. I'm the temple of God. You're the temple of God. You're where the Holy Spirit resides. Wherever I go, he goes with me. So, so with that, as you're sitting here in this auditorium, think about, first of all, what God's done for you and then think about what is it God wants to do through you to those around you. I'm a firm believer that the happiest people on the planet are the ones that God flows through. Where it's not a, something is, yeah, it's good to get, but Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So when we receive his life and then we go give that out and we go make a difference in other people's life. So as we sit here reflecting, let this be a moment that turns into a movement. A moment in time where Jesus touches our life, that causes us into action, that animates us, that, that activates us into making a difference. I'm going to ask them to sing a song or to worship for just a moment. I want us to, to take a moment and allow this to, to seep in. We've got a few moments. I just want this to, to kind of marinate on us and marinate in us for just a moment.